Good morning. It's Ian Power here for the Home Discovery Show, along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. And I want to introduce a, a well-known guest to CKNW, Wim Vanderzam, well-known throughout British Columbia for his extensive horticultural expertise. He's also a best-selling author, Just Ask Wim, down-to-earth gardening answers, which you can buy online. Wim is the owner and operator of Artnap Plantland on Dominion in Port Coquitlam. You're between uh, Lowheat Highway and Ottawa. Hi, Ian. Yes, I am. That's right. That's yeah. I spend most of my hours anyway. Most, <laughs> yeah, all your waking hours. You're, you're there. Uh, usually the best time to catch you, I find, is in the morning. Yeah, you know, my, my schedule's so uh, all over the map. Um, I do a lot of traveling uh, for work, and I've got a, I do a lot of different um, uh, different businesses I'm in, so it's like yeah, it's all over the map. But but my uh, my mainstay is definitely the gardening end of things, and mornings are always an easy way to, you know, get things get things accomplished. Get yeah. going. I, I want to ask you about the gardening, but before I do that, and about your store, but I want to make sure that we open up the line right away because it, it is uh, the BC Day long weekend, and I know a lot of people are waiting for this this cloud cover to clear. We're going to have another great day ahead of us. If you've got something going on in your garden. By all means, now is a good time to jump on the line. Wim Vanderzam is with us, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 if you're on your cell phone. Uh, uh, this whole idea about gardening in your store in particular, I was reading online with some interest, and, and people have uh, really taken to what you've done with your store in Poco, and you've kind of expanded a little bit beyond just the horticulture stuff. <laughs> yeah. It always surprises people, you know. Um, we, we we saw a decline in some of our our gift categories, particularly home decor, and we were thinking, what's going on here? Why why are we losing uh, some business in this area? And we kind of we kind of thought to ourselves, you know, what it probably has to do with um, the minimalistic look that everyone wants in their home now—just clean, no no clutter, no no little trinkets on shelves, nothing uh, in the way of uh, any form of clutter. And so we thought, you know, that's probably that's probably one of the reasons why, but. So we had to find other categories. We started with uh, we started with some some scarves and a few ladies' fashion accessories and things, and uh, and uh, it was an instant hit. And um, now we're pretty much a full scale ladies' fashion store as well as you know a great garden center, which is wonderful. But I would never have expected that uh, I would be in uh, selling ladies' clothing. Not that I specifically choose the ladies' clothing, but. <laughs> But it's in the store, and it's in a, in, a, in, a, in a big way, that's for sure. Excellent. Well, you know what? It's uh, that kind of creativity that helps uh, anybody uh, to be successful in business. So today, you have to be, con- you know, to use the cliche, you have to be thinking outside the box in order just to survive in the business world today, don't you? You know, the market changes so fast, and, um, you know, with the Internet giving information, with uh, the, the buying trends that you can, you, or, or buying that you can actually do online, um, you have to be ahead of the game so that you have something different and new and unique and, and uh, definitely targeting who your, your, your market is. And, and uh, so, you know, you've, you've got to be on your toes for sure. I always liked what Steve Jobs said uh, years ago. He said, you've, you've got to try to figure out what, what people want before they know they want it. Uh, you know what? That is probably exactly, maybe well ahead of his time, but exactly true is you have to think ahead and be ahead of what is a trend even um, because it takes time to integrate things into into uh, retail locations or or into your uh, product mix. 
Yeah, it's not an easy task, uh, that's for sure. And so uh, my congratulations to, to your continued success. Uh, I know that you work very, very hard at making sure that what you do there is, is very much in front of everybody else. I wanted to ask you uh, right off the top, Wim, about this summer, because for me, having lived here all my life, this is a typical summer. The last two or three were not. Would you concur with that? Yeah, that is true. This is more like what we've always kind of experienced during summers. So uh, that means a little bit of rain, a little bit of sunshine, a little bit of wind, (laughs) basically uh, a lot of everything, but overall relatively pleasant. Yeah, what a pleasant summer it's been too, you know, and that and it's helping to keep our plants uh, in great shape as well, like without a lot of extra care, you know, a little, little bit of rain once in a while, uh, not too uh, extreme a heat temperature, and um, and yeah, it's making it's making all plants grow well and our flowers bloom more. Yeah, the only thing that I I've, I've noticed personally, and and maybe it's just uh, I'm I'm noticing it. It seems like maybe if anything, if <laughs> I'm getting pretty picky here, but it might just be a little more humid this year than it has been in the past. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing because, um, yeah, you can get a little sweaty out there. No question about that. <laughs> maybe it's just that we don't want to work as hard. Could be. You know, is that maybe? Okay, so the Vancouver Park Board has decided that they're going to take on the European Schaefer beetle. They've got a remedy that they found in Mother Nature. So beginning this week, uh, the park op- operations staff will go against that. They're, they've, they've, they're all ready for battle with the Schaefer beetle. They're going to use the... Uh, the nematodes, which are, from what I understand, microscopic roundworms, which will go out and uh, destroy the grubs. Uh, is this something that you're up on, or is this a, a route that you would take with that invasive European Schaefer beetle? Yeah, and this year in particular, because we don't have you know any any uh, water, well, we have water restrictions, but uh, limited water restrictions. We haven't we're allowed to water our lawns enough mm-hmm. um, to keep the lawn healthy, but also um, to keep nematodes alive. They're living um, they're living organisms, so um, you know they need the moisture. Right, and that helps them to actually navigate through the soil uh, under the lawn and search out and destroy. But it's a combination of uh, we, we we work with um, a lab in Ontario to try to determine the right nematodes to control the chafer beetle. Right, because there is uh, you know thousands of different types of nematodes out there. So uh, we have a we we have a lurking style of nematode, one that kind of hangs around, waits, waits, watch, you know, waits for movement, and then we'll search out and destroy. Hmm. Then we have the search on destroy type of nematode combined in our uh, nematode packages to to basically um, you know, rid your lawn of of the of the young larvae. That's the stage they're at right now. So the eggs were laid in June, right? And then the egg hatches and becomes this larvae, and the larvae continues to grow. Um, and but right now it's it's a sort of a, an immature larvae. So that's the best time to control. And, and really, it's the only time to control. So we're at the last stages of application. So um, if you want some form of remedy, there is that remedy still out there. Should I be applying these uh, nematodes now, even if I'm not sure if I have the Schaefer build? And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'm gonna, let's make this about me for a minute, can we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I laid some new sod this uh, this spring, or actually it was late this spring, and it was a bit late to me, and I'll be fair and honest about it. Do I need to worry about the the Schaefer beetle, or do you think I'll get a pass this year? Well, if you have lawn um, in the month of June, uh, then you, 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 if you want to ensure that you don't have the rodents picking apart your lawn trying to get to these larvae, mm-hmm. then you should apply the nematodes. Yeah, okay. because they, um, and that's the sad part about it. 
as of right now anyway, we, you don't know whether the chafer beetle came down and laid eggs in your lawn. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can do is actually take preventative measures by applying the, uh, the nematodes. Probably better to get at it now than later because once the, the European chafer beetle starts, they're difficult to get rid of after the fact, aren't they? Well, the, the only time you actually can control them, can control any type of larvae in your lawn, is right now, and we're at the tail end. So it's the last, your last chance to you know, prevent the problem from kind of a continual problem throughout the next few months of, of the rodents ripping out your lawn, trying to rip up your lawn, trying to get to the, uh, the larvae. So this is your last chance to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the rodents are plenty. I mean, the skunks like them, the, the crows like them. Uh, I guess the, the raccoons are pretty fond of them, too. They must be an awfully tasty snack. Have you ever tried them, Wim? I've never tried them, but I'll, I, I, I know where I can find some, and I'll bring you a little uh, Tupperware full and <laughs> we'll allow you to sort of give. You know, you have to inform your listeners, right? So you've got to make sure you know everything. We'll do it for science. <laughs> we've got Ron, we've got Bill and Andrew who want to talk to you. 604-280-9898, star 9898. Wim Vanderzem, he is a, our gardening guru. We're going to talk about Wim's book, and we're going to take your call next when we come back on the BC Day holiday weekend edition of the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. We're back with Wim Vanderzam. My name is Ian Power. Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, is with us, and uh, Ron is on the line. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, anyways, you're talking to a gardener. Good. Yes. And uh, uh, Wim, yeah, congratulations for hanging in there uh, through everything. I Thank won't. You. I won't go into it. But um, regarding the chafer, okay, uh, I actually uh, have been using uh, Betty Murray's. Uh, safer, I don't know if we're allowed to say that, uh, solution. I think you just did. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, basically uh, the dish soap mixed with baking soda. Yeah. I won't mention the product names. Uh, a tablespoon of each and a gallon of water, put it in the hose-end sprayer, right, and saturate the area, uh, mainly to control, like, aphids and uh, spider mites and et cetera. And uh, on an off moment... I got uh, my friend who has the internet to Google it. Does it work on chafer larva? And uh, apparently it does, but you have to saturate the ground to 12 inches. And uh, I talked to the Burnaby and Coquitlam municipality about this, and they said you can't do that. No, you can't. That's that would that would uh, break the water restrictions. Uh, no, it wasn't about the water restrictions. They were worried about the water table. Oh, and uh, contaminating uh, uh, fish streams. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. well, that makes sense. So, what'd you end up doing with your Schaefer beetles? Uh, well, uh, I still tell my customers, uh, you can do it. I can't. Otherwise, I get an environmental fine. Ah, uh, well, so that's sort of like uh, what, what, what do you call that? A conspiracy. Well, it's, it's just like. Uh, they're still selling Roundup and uh, the other weed kill products, even though you're not supposed to use them anymore at uh, various retail outlets, right? right? I'll let you go there, Ron, just because uh, time we want to get everybody else on. Um, the th- one of the, and I appreciate your call. What about aphids and, and spider mites? So aphids in particular, they're a, they're a nuisance. Have you ever parked your car under a tree that's got aphids? Probably people don't even realize that's what it is. You know, you look at some of these street trees, 
and around the base of them, it's all kind of uh, you know dark pavement, uh, and that's basically the honeydew from aphids that the aphids excrete the honeydew and and um, and drops to the ground, and uh, it's a sticky substance. If you park your car under, yeah, it's miserable. It's terrible. Water, I mean, generally gets rid of it. A little soap and water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is is it toxic in any way? Not at all. No, not at all. Um, and they're not, um, you know, and it, it just is it's something that uh, aphids will continue to multiply and. Um, and basically uh, devour the tree of, of uh, nutrient and moisture, and, and they'll just start getting you know the tree defoliating early uh, rather than sort of staying green right till fall. But is that a problem, or is it just an, an early defoliation, or do you need to worry about long-term ramifications for that tree? No, no, it's not. A, it, it's, it's not going to do the tree any damage. It's more of a nuisance than anything. Right. It's, you know, it's nice to have all the leaves on your tree fall. Within a week, rake them up and you're done. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Starts in August and you go through till October. It's a little bit of a pain. So would you introduce a ladybug or something like that? Or how would you deal with the aphids or would you just leave it for for the remainder of this year? You know, aphids are one of the easiest things to get rid of. They they truly are. And you can get rid of them organically with just an organic pyrethrin. Trounce is one that I recommend uh, quite regularly. It's put out by Safers and it's just... An organic pyrethrin that on contact uh, will kill aphids and, and does a great job. And you can get it in concentrate so you can spray a big tree or you can get it in ready to use and just spray a little plant in your patio or whatever. So um, they aren't difficult to get rid of. Okay. Actually, you know what? I should mention too, a lot of people think ants are, you know, they're all over my plants and they must be killing my plants. Ants actually don't uh, destroy plants at all, you know, unless they are undermining the root system to build a nest. But, right. But in general, they're um, they, they're usually searching for aphids mm. because they like the honeydew. They it's actually a food source for for an ant. So, if they're in your trees, the ants aren't doing any damage to the tree whatsoever. But it probably means you have aphids on the tree. Interesting. Okay, yeah. something good to look for, or at least something to look for. Hi there, Bill. Yeah. Good morning. Um, I have not had any luck uh, tr- trying to get uh, uh, cherry or blueberry. Uh, seeds uh like germinating or yeah you you won't you you really won't if you want to propagate yeah you can't even propagate really a, a cherry tree easily because most are grafted so what they do is they they take two different um species of a of a tree um and they graft them together that's why there's a big knob at the bottom of a tree uh tree yeah, yeah. And, and then and you kind of want that because the right rootstock will create a better and more healthy tree. Um, yep. If you just say were to take a, a cutting from a, a cherry tree and plant it and, and have success rooting it, um, it wouldn't be the same cherry. And in fact, it'll probably be kind of a wild, very big, big growing tree rather than on a, an appropriate rootstock, it would be a more manageable and controllable size. So, so no, you know, you're, you're best to really buy those uh, as a plant form um, otherwise, you really won't have success. Oh, because uh, so there's no way of doing it with a blueberry either, with a seed. Uh, blueberry, you can take some cuttings from. So yes, you could, not from the seed though. Not um, from the seed. Not from the seed, but you can yeah, take because, cuttings. Because actually, uh, I did go to our naps on on Lohi there, and I bought so a couple years ago. I bought some tree, bushes, trees, right? Yeah, and I. I you know they told me that they were they they were blueberry tasting that they had a good taste and and uh, the you know these plants were not blue not not the blueberries that I tasted 
that we used to eat all the time when we were kids, eh? Yeah, there's so many. They had no taste, and one of them was sour, and it's just, to me, it's not a blueberry. I actually cut the tree. Okay, well, thanks so much, Bill. We're going to move along here, uh, just because we've got a lot of people on the line. But to appreciate your call, I want to ask the, the larger question about uh, about the, the fruits this year. Uh, 604-280-9898 is our number if you want to jump on and talk to Wim Vanderzam. If you're working on your garden this weekend or anything having to do with your plants or, or garden life, uh, it's a good time to join us right now. Wim, this year in general, um, a lot of farmers talking about uh, the, we had such a hot spring which affected a lot of the fruit plants. What's your take on it? Because for me, the raspberries were eh, the strawberries were even meh, but the blueberries have been absolutely the, some of the most tasty blueberries I've had in a long time. Yeah, you know, it really was a, uh, it's been a good year for all crops. Basically, that drier, um, the drier early portion of spring allowed a, a good thorough pollination. So, um, so all the crops should be, um, you know, tremendous, particularly with, um, you know, the, the sort of on and off raining, allowing a good thorough watering of the ground periodically. So um, most crops should be great this year without a doubt. And, you know, it's, and a blueberry is a prime example of something that, you know, you can have in your yard that is just an, it's a nice shrub. It actually looks good almost year-round. It looks good even in winter because of its, the red uh, stems. It, it, right. They're kind of colorful through winter. Um, but easy crop to grow, and they, they produce for 50 years, and, you know, you can get some nice dwarf varieties that fit into a landscape, even if you don't have a, sort of a garden. So, you know, we need to do more of that, and, yes. and why not? Why not get a crop out of some of the shrubbery that we have in our garden? I couldn't agree more. I, I appreciate that. Were we, uh, were we, our timing was it a, we're, our timing, it's like I've got acres and acres of farm here. <laughs> I, was, was the time, well, I live in Steveston, so I'm not too far from some of the farms, but were, were some of the, the uh, fruit crops, were they a bit early this year? Yeah, some were earlier, particularly strawberries were, were very early this year. Um, even raspberries were quite early. But uh, but the nice and, and the nice thing about that too is, um, although you get early crops, sometimes they can be uh, that it can extend the season. It doesn't mean it's uh, you're just going to get it early and it ends early. Often it means that it's going to start early and, and will continue on. So it usually means you'll get a larger crop. Good. Well, that's what we want. Uh, are you on the Sunshine Coast, Lori? Yes, I am. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead to Wim Vanderzam. Okay, um, we have a large magnolia tree. And it has a really bad case of scales. And this is its second year. And I was told to try neem oil, which I did, but didn't do it any good. And then I've just sprayed twice. It's called Endol uh, by Safers. And um, it doesn't seem to be doing any difference. I don't know. Yeah, scale, uh, you know, in, in small populations, scale insect is not that major a problem. But it can get to a point where, yeah, they can be in such volume where they're almost on top of each other. It looks like a little sort of, almost like a little tiny little bump on the uh, on the stemmy in it. So, but underneath that little bump, um, hard shell is actually an insect. Uh, the only thing that you can get now um, in today's age uh, is to kill them is actually malathion. It is still available. Uh, it is safe to use. It's it's government recommended for scale. Um, so it is an insecticide that is not organic, but it is, uh, if you, if you want to get rid of the scale, if it's becoming a, a potential mm. threat to the tree, then definitely you can get malathion to control it. Well, it is, uh, it's looking like it's a threat, but it, it, they're not brown. They're, they're like white, um, 
little cottony, uh, what do you call it, cocoons okay, yeah. co- cover the, underneath the leaves and some of the bark. That's what it looks like. And I was told that's what it was, the scales. We're going to have to leave it there, but hang on a sec. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's just we're up against a break. Laurie, I'm going to ask you, you can hang on or we'll we'll get back to your answer regarding your magnolia tree when we come back after the break because we're up against the news here. 604-280-9898, star 9898. We're talking to gardening guru Wim van der Zem from Art Knapp in Poco. And we'll come back on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back. Ian Power along with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor. Our guest today is Wim Vandersam. He's well-known throughout this province and beyond. His horticultural expertise has got him on the bestsellers list. His book is, it's and it's a great book, a really a must-have. It's called Just Ask Wim, Down-to-Earth Gardening Answers. It's available online. One of the things that I, I love about your book, well, there's two things in particular, Wim. One is I like the calendar because you, you break it down month by month, the things that you really need to be paying attention to. And then you've got all these sidebars in, in the book. And one that I noticed yesterday that intrigued me a little bit, and that was uh, you suggest that smart gardeners utilize every bit of growing space. And what do you mean by that? Well, you know... It's interesting because even my, even myself, I just did it again. There was a I have a I have a little this little tiny little strip where I have a, a fence and then um, uh, um, a, a little this tiny little strip of soil. I have a fence and a, a, a stairs staircase outside. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I thought to myself, you know, that'd be a good spot for basil because it's <laughs> nice and hot. I can put some basil there and and have it, uh, you know hopefully grow quite well and, and uh, exactly what I did. So you have to use every spot you can in your garden around, you know, in, you know on your property. There's, there is actually a lot of growing spots and particularly for crops, like, um, you know, for herbs and things, you can tuck them in anywhere. And, uh, and, and all, you, all you really have to do is ensure there's some good soil, nice and deep in whatever area you have or a little nook and cranny that you might have where, you know, there might be a little bit of sunlight and, uh, and you can grow, you can grow a, uh, even just a, a small little herb and, and uh, have success and, and, and have it probably right outside your back door. 604-280-9898, 280-9898, or star 9898. We're talking about gardens on a BC Day long weekend with Wim van der Zam and Joanna's in Surrey. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you. Um, I have a problem with ants all over my concrete driveway. And have you got a remedy for permanently getting rid of them? Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> no, probably that wouldn't even do it. Um, interestingly enough, there is a, a number of products for the you know the sugar type ants, the small little ants. Yeah. Um, they they uh, are always searching for a, a food source. So um, there is um, a product that Safers makes. So it is an organic product. It actually is borax based, but but their their ingredient that is the attractant. Um, is actually the typical food source for an ant. So they really like this uh, this uh, this product because it is the food source that they are trying to hunt. So it's just a little liquid, and you just put a little bit around where you have you've seen some ants, and uh, they will collect that and take it back and and feed the queen. And, and the whole idea is getting in the insecticide to the queen, uh, kill off the queen, and basically your your nest is. is you just done. pour like pour it out of the bottle. Yeah, just a little bit. You can even put it in a little a little um, water bottle cap or something, and they will scout it down and find it. You don't need a lot because they're just 
you're just uh, feeding uh, you know a few ants really. So, uh, but it works wonders. It does work wonders, and mostly because um, of the attractant and the and the food source base, and that's why it is such a great product. It's put up by Savers called Ant Out. Just want to add to that, Joanne and Wim, uh, with ants that the trick with ants is is obviously to get to the nest. Yeah. But the issue with ants is oftentimes they have more than one. They'll have uh, the satellite nests. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you notice that like, these are pavement ants, corn ants, as they're also called, if you look in your garden, you'll see what amounts to, they look like drill holes. Yeah. And if you can find those, that would be also another area for you to start with this product to get right to the nest. Because uh, if you get just a few of them, there's there's a thousand more waiting to come out and and pay you a visit on your driveway. Right. So okay. try to go, try to get them, try to get to the nest. That's uh, that's your key, and probably not just one. There's probably two or three. Right. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight star ninety eight ninety eight. We've got a line open for you uh, as we pick up our next call. This this idea we were just talking about basil and this idea of growing food for ourselves uh, will probably never in the backyard be able to grow enough uh, to to satisfy ourselves, but we can certainly complement. And what I have found is the reward of eating food that you have grown is incredible. It's not only tastier, but it's probably healthier, and it, it makes you feel good because you produced it yourself. Oh, absolutely, and and you know. When we uh, we camp, like you say, we can't support ourselves year-round by any means. Um, but you're not only doing what you've mentioned, getting tastier uh, produce and, and maybe even better produce and maybe organic produce, but um, you're also helping the environment by, you know, these truckloads of tomatoes that are, are driven from Mexico, mm-hmm. um, you know, that in itself is, is polluting our air. So... The more we can grow out of our backyard, the better for sure. And it's not that difficult, is it? That's the thing. Uh, A lot of people seem to think that because they've grown lettuce or tomatoes or or what have you, while it may not be the easiest thing just to put it in the ground and let it go, uh, it's not that difficult either. It's just following a couple of simple guidelines and, and away you go. Danielle, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? We're great. What's up for Wim van der Zandt? You got a question? Well, I was very much interested in the book because it is separated and it's detailed but easy. Mm-hmm. And um, I was wondering if it pertains just to BC Earth and environment or would it be uh, compatible with Ontario as well? It's more for the West Coast, right. for sure. Um, and you know what? It, it's, it's, I get so many questions all the time and 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 some of the answers people say well i was reading online this and that and uh, i say yeah but you, you see there you're reading something but you don't know where that was coming from mm-hmm. exactly. and that could have been a california answer for a question and rather than a bc answer for a question so so you really have to have regional gardening books to really have the right answers so um and that's why i wrote it because there was no real um uh, regional gardening book that was that was really down to earth, basically, like I called it. It's just is sort of very simple for the average person to read through. If they're not a horticulturalist, if they don't have any gardening knowledge, you know, I, I speak to the person who, like myself, if I had to build a car, well, you better start by telling me what a bolt is because I don't, you know, I'm not a real car fanatic. So, so that was the idea behind it, and it is more regional for sure. Well, I thank you, and and all the best, and I think it'll be a great seller. It was just for my son, I thought, because he's so busy, and I thought, give him a little details for all the things he could do easily. But he's he's the gardener and the 
So anyway, but thank you so much. All, all right. the best. You bet. And Danielle, I'll, I'll say this much, uh, having a copy of the book, at easy grasp, I, I always use it for reference because I know it's reliable, and I still think your son might appreciate it. Even though it is regional, I think that he can get a lot out of it. So a lot of the principles that Wim talks about in the sure. book yeah. will, will apply. It's just ask Wim down-to-earth gardening answers. We'll uh, have more with Wim Vanderzem after a quick break. 604-280-9898 is our number, star 9898 if you're mobile. We'll be back in a moment on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. My name is Ian Power. I'm here with Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, and Wim Vanderzam has joined us. Wim is uh, very well known to CKNW listeners. His Garden Talk show on the air for 15 years. His book now, a bestseller, Just Ask Wim, Down to Earth Gardening Answers, which you can buy online. And I would uh, guess that probably some stores have it as well. Uh, Wim, what about... Uh, last year's drought because i think now we're starting to really realize some of the damage and i'm thinking in, in my case again because after all as we established this is all about me uh my cedar hedge i've got some i've got some real bad pockets of of dead hedging and i i suspect it's because of the drought last year yeah you know what it killed off a lot of cedar hedging and 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 those that weren't planted you know correctly or you know, the, the best they could with proper amount of soil and planted at soil level, ground level. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people like sort of digging a little trench and then sending them in and then mounding soil over the root ball of a, of a cedar hedge. That's not the way to plant it. You need a good amount of soil around it so that there is amount of uh, a certain amount of soil, uh, moisture retaining material mm-hmm. for the uh, for the hedge to always have on hand in case of a drought. So you see a lot of dead trees, dead hedging cedars around, and it's tough now too because you you. It's, to get just one out that has died, you're going to impact the other ones. Right. So I'm recommending that for most people in that situation, wait till winter and then replace it then. That yeah. way the uh, hedge with the ones that are alive will uh, experience the least amount of uh, hardship and damage. Uh, so you say, you say winter, uh, would late fall be too soon? Late fall uh, would be the beginning point. You, you, you want to make sure it's it's cold. Right, okay. Wet temperatures or Sorry, wet uh, wet periods uh, where it's you know they're, they're you know they're dormant. So I would say yeah, starting November you can get away with it for sure. But um, any rainy period through November, December, January, February, and those in that range is uh, going to be your best time to replace any. The idea of cedar as hedging uh, in general, uh, I'm told, is somewhat passe. Uh, it's it's not the most environmentally friendly uh, in terms of the amount of water that it needs. And if we are facing more water restrictions or droughts in the future, that perhaps, uh, you might be better off with say, as an example, some kind of a laurel, uh, rather because you'll get the same kind of density or similar density, same kind of privacy and sound barrier. Uh, what's your feeling about not using cedars and, and finding something suitable to replace with? Well, you know, I, I would, I would, if someone asked me, what would you recommend as a hedge? Um, I would always probably recommend the cedar hedge, the the smarag or emerald green, as they're as they're called. And the reason being is, they, they are good for the environment actually because they are they do you know live and breathe. Um, they're better than a fence as far as sound barrier, and mm-hmm. you know, and they're uh, more environmentally friendly than a fence for sure. And they, um, uh, and they are uh, they they don't actually require that much in the way of water. So. So I would say that is the best bet, and particularly because they stay nice and narrow. So right. our yards are not big. So having a, a laurel hedge, for example, 
is a it, it is a good hedge, but it also can grow so wide that it's taking up a lot of your property. So that's why sort of the really the best one is the uh, emerald green cedar. Good morning, Shirley. Hello. Let's go right ahead to Wim. Uh, yes, uh, I'd like to know a little bit about centipedes in the uh, garden okay. and their larvae. Well, their centipedes don't do a lot of damage. So, so if they're you know if they're not bothering you, they're not where you're sort of traditionally gardening and doing a lot of work. Um, I would probably just say leave them alone. Um, uh, if it's a problem, there is uh, some baits and some controls that you can get. Um, there is an earwig bait that would do the job. An um, earwig bait. Yeah, and it'll do the job on them as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so, but again, they're not hurting plants, uh, and, and they're not doing damage. So unless they're sort of in an area that you, you know, you're never in, I wouldn't I wouldn't bother controlling. Yeah, well, what I'm finding is uh, some of them find their way into the house. Yeah, they can because they search out food sources as well, right, or different breeding grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that can happen. But um, it's probably that's few and far between. And again, other than having to sort of scoop them up and throw them back outside, then um, I wouldn't worry too much about them. Yeah, well, I've been busy doing that. (laughs) But, you know, at night I've gone out, and it's not happening so much right now. But earlier in the spring I've gone out, and and it's, you know, the the walkway is just a mass of uh, the crawling little beasts. Yeah, they're nocturnal, so they do uh, they do come out at night. And if you, like I say, if you want control and it's a problem, then there's the baits that you can use to uh, eliminate them. So, again, okay. otherwise, uh, otherwise, just you know, they're, they're just and if, if 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 I came out, uh, is that something that you carry at your store? Yeah, we carry it, and and you can get it at any any garden center would have it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yours is closer to where I am actually. Perfect. We will see you soon. Thank you, Shirley. Appreciate that. Uh, centipedes, are they, they more of a nuisance, too, or they, do they cause some real damage? No, they're just a nuisance. What, what's the biggest uh, problem in the garden as far as insects and, and nuisance uh, pests go? Well, probably aphids. I mean, it seems like everyone has an aphid problem of some sort, and aphids do. I mean, they have their preferences, for sure, and they don't actually go after everything, but they go after a lot of different plants. And uh, unfortunately, the aphid is an easy one to control, though. So like I mentioned earlier, trounce is an easy way to control an aphid and quick spray, and they start dropping off immediately. I even, sometimes if I, you know, I get a few aphids on my rose bushes, I'll just take a, take a, a jet spray from the hose and just hose it off, and, and they actually will probably dehydrate before they can get back onto the plant. So, I'll teach them. Yep. <laughs> what's what's going on as far as uh, exotics right now? What's new? What's exciting? What are people clamoring at your store for? Well, I mean, herbs and vegetables are definitely still the number one thing. People are are trying to do a lot more of growing their own. But the the actual the the unique uh, crops are are really popular. Like the citrus, like because we can grow citrus here, and our, our climate and zone has changed just enough to support the uh, the uh, the citrus varieties uh, lemons limes all, all of them oranges um, but uh, pomegranates and unique um, uh, unique some of the unique berries like goji berries and things uh, sai berry and it's just it's all over the map but those unique things are what people are looking for so um, you know they want to have a persimmons in their yard or they want to have you know the fig so lots of those things, and, and we're able to grow so much. One of the best growing areas in the world is the lower mainland. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky because we have such a you know, moderate year-round climate that so much can grow here. So 
And, people are taking advantage of it. And they are taking advantage of it, and more so, it seems, uh, day by day. Let's talk a, a little bit. I was hoping you'd spend just a couple of minutes before our next break, Wim, about what, what we would call balcony gardening, because there's really nothing that you can't do uh, just about in any garden that you can't do on a balcony, on yeah. a smaller scale, obviously. Yeah, pretty much. You know, um, whether shade or sun, you can be growing things on a balcony. And the one advice that I always sort of give people when they say they want to grow stuff on their patio is make sure that vessel, the pot, whatever you're growing in, uh, is large enough because, um, you know, I, I refer to them as pets. We don't, we don't necessarily want a pet on our balcony where you have to make sure you give it its water, you know, twice a day and, and you can't go away for the weekend unless you have friends coming over to sort of give it its food. Like, let's keep, let's keep our plants in big enough pots that they can be self-sustaining for a few days, even if you have to go away. So the larger the vessel, the larger the pot or container, the better. Let's talk about uh, those containers and take that to the drainage, because that seems to be one of the more controversial topics. Everybody seems to have their idea what's best. What, what does Wim van der Zam say about that? Drainage is vitally important. I say you don't want to create a swimming pool. The roots of a plant have to uh, breathe, and if they are sitting in any amount of water, uh, they will suffocate, die, and they will start to um, they'll start to rot, and that obviously is going to impact the health of the plant. So you want very thorough drainage in any container, no matter what it is. We're coming up to our last segment with Wim Vanderzam. We're talking about gardening on this BC Day Long Weekend, 604-280-9898. If you want to get in on our last remaining minutes, it's 604-280-9898 or star 9898 from your cell. And we'll be back on the Home Discovery Show from News Talk 980 CKNW. Wim Vanderzam is our guest today. My name is Ian Power, and Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, is here with us. We're talking about your gardener, uh, your gardening, that is, on a long BC Day weekend. And uh, hopefully, uh, if the weather forecast holds, we should see some clearing uh, by uh, noon. And it looks, uh, as I peer out the window downtown, things are definitely starting to clear. Uh, Perhaps your just not there yourself yet because it was a pretty wild night on the old town last night. Irene, good morning. Good morning. Go right ahead. Um, I have a goldenrod that is in its third year, and this year it got all mildew on it, powdery mildew, right. and also my asters, which are at the other end of my yard. So are they both prone to mildew, or what would cause Well, that? I mean, uh, a lot of plants are prone to, to uh, powdery mildew for sure. Um, and as Ian was saying earlier, does it seem more humid this summer than normal? And yes, it is. And with that humidity uh, comes the growth of fungus diseases. And so you're going to experience it more than you would normally in a normal summer, if this isn't our normal summer. Um, the, you know, the powdery mildew is an easy control, though. You can use an organic sulfur, uh, just spray the leaves on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis, and you should get uh, good control of them, that's for sure. Because the goldenrod is a wonderful perennial and, uh, and great cut flower, so you want to yes. have the powdery mildew on them and bring it inside. It's just you know, not the best situation. So, uh, but easy, easily controlled if you have to. I cut the asters right off at ground level because they're a perennial also, and this is my first year for this batch. And I didn't get one bloom yet because they went into such a heavy load of mildew. Yeah. So consider the garden sulfur uh, uh, in the future for sure. Will those asters survive after having cut them, or will they yep. still come up mildew? You're going to see, you'll see probably uh, 
some some new shoots very shortly. They'll, they're going to try to send out a whole new batch of leaves, so they'll, they'll be okay. fine. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Irene. Nice to hear from you. Anne uh, called us. Uh, she didn't want to go on air, but wanted to know about slug control. Yeah, there. You know, slugs uh, are a, a continual problem in the garden for sure. Um, but uh, there is a slug bait out there that is all natural. You know, so safe to use around. You know, if you have pets or children, you don't have to worry about it. You just uh, sprinkle a few of these pellets around plants that are affected, and it's a bait and it's a, a, a slug killer. So actually quite easy to control, um, and it's put up by Safer, Safer Slug Bait. Okay. Uh, we had an email asking about rotos. Um, what, when's the best time to trim them? Uh, can you trim them? And uh, it, it, apparently there's a, a little family argument going on. Uh, one <laughs> wants to get rid of it, and the other one wants to keep it. Oh, it's often the case with some of the plants in our yard. Isn't it? <laughs> but they, they seem to be the, some of the most controversial. I don't think people realize when they put these cute little plants in that they, they're going to grow to be uh, as big as your house. You know, I see that. In fact, I even, I, I've stopped on the road when I've seen somebody who was either planting or had just planted, obviously, a, 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 a large growing plant in the wrong spot and, you know, give advice, say, you have to move it over or move it away from there. It's not it's not the best end result for where where you've just planted that. But um, you know the rhododendron is something that should be pruned. Like most plants, particularly when they're younger, should be pruned. Um, uh, you know, knowing the timing of when to prune is obviously very important. But for rhododendron, it's it's traditionally just after it finishes blooming or when it would traditionally bloom, which is just after spring or late right, spring. Right, okay. Um, and that is the best time to do a pruning. And they should be pruned um, to keep them sort of more compact and, uh, and to have them branch out more. And the more, the more branching you get will basically mean the more flowers you'll get as well. So, so how hard do you want to go on them? Well, you know, if you're starting younger, you shouldn't have to go that hard at all. But if you let it grow and grow and grow and haven't done anything, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's having to take them back halfway where you almost get rid of almost all of the the leaf growth and so you know but half is a maximum you could go on any uh, aged appreciate your time today wim vanderzam just ask wim down to earth gardening answers look for it online drop by and see wim vanderzam at artnap plantland on dominion in poco one of the best in the business certainly around this part of the world really appreciate your time today for Steve Seaborn, the little contractor, and our technical producer, Mike Given. My name is Ian Power. Thanks for listening to the Home Discovery Show, and stay with us. Vancouver Consumer is next on News Talk 980 CKNW.